Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Where the Dark Corners Are. I am your Dark Travels hostess. Today, we crack open our paranormal passports and head to the city of Krakow, Poland. Now, believe it or not, one of the curious benefits of living in America is you get a mixture of cultures marrying. And as it is, I I am a Polish-Mexican. My great-grandfather was actually born in Poland, and he came to America, and he became a farmer in Pennsylvania. My grandmother actually spoke Polish. In fact, my mother would tell the story of how when my mother or my grandmother would get together with her sisters, they would actually speak in Polish. And my mother didn't realize it was an actual language, thought they were speaking a secret sister language because that's how young she was when, you know, she was trying to process everything together so anyways now i've actually never been to poland but it is on my list behind scotland and spain so finger crossed one day i will get there but for now let's do a paranormal trip together if you will our first stop is a place the locals call the horror house so what's happening here the locals claim that as you pass by this very strange structure, and you you will know, it's, it sounds, from my research, it sounds like it's your typical haunted house, boarded up, weeds grown all over, gone wild scenario kind of a house. Chain link fence or barbed wire fence, chained up doors, boarded windows, uh, you know, the typical type of of a abandoned haunted house that you would probably find anywhere. But either way, they say even just passing by, you can feel like this this immediate breath of terror on your neck. And it is said that the house is actually has a tree going growing through the roof and it's like what happened? So the beginnings of the hauntings actually go back to the 1990s when a man reportedly hung himself while living in the home or being on the property. And after his death, a married couple moved in and they barely made it a whole month. And just paranormal activity after paranormal activity, strange thing, strange thing. But the chopper was, the very last straw was, was that the car, their car, started itself and drove forward into the garage. And that was it. They were like, we're out, we're done. After this couple moved out, another couple who 
decided to give it a shot, moved in. And these were actually owners of a jewelry company. And they decided to open up shop with this house. So they had, they had their jewelry store in the house. And after a while, they started noticing that the gems that they were selling, the jewelry that they were selling, were actually getting crushed in the drawers inexplicably. They didn't understand. They didn't know why. And if that wasn't enough, not only were they losing profits, but the necklaces, some of the displays, were flying off the shelves all on their own accord. Now, after they had enough, an IT company decided to take on the building. And just like the previous owners, they didn't last too long. The entity or haunting actually started, I mean, upping their game. I can't believe this. They, the entity or the haunting decided to start burning some of the computer equipment. And in front of the employees also began throwing the computer monitors on the floor, you know, just out, out, off and about. So today it's been left abandoned. And even now the locals swear that they have found animals that were skinned alive on the property and nearby residents claim to see strange lights and shadows, you know, through the window. And again, the, the building's been abandoned. So if you are curious and or interested if you go to check out this haunted house, just walking by on a dark, probably close to Halloween night, <laughs> you could potentially see these strange shadows and curious lights to Crack House Horror House. Okay, so that's their main big house. Now, they do claim to have at least one ghost in the actual city. So let's talk churches. They say people can hear the haunting notes of a trumpet call from St. Mary's Church. Why? Well, apparently one night, a sentry who was trying to warn the city of an attack was shot in the throat while he was trying to raise the alarm, and maybe in the afterlife, he did not realize that he had perished because today, people swear they could still hear him. Whether or not they can see him, I didn't see I didn't in my research I didn't find whether or not they can see him just that they can hear him. Now moving from churches let's talk castles. You know this is still Europe, Poland is very much Europe and of course they have their castles. Let's talk the the Wawel, I think it's Wawel castle and one of the first things you'll see, you'll notice when you approach this castle is a sculpture of a dragon that was supposedly slain by a clever shoemaker. And it now serves as a warning. You know how Vlad the Impaler would put people's heads on stick and be like, this is going to happen to you. It sounds like the Polish kind of had the same idea to warm off other dragons. So anywho, this particular castle is actually the burial site of Polish kings. And according to legend, the former kings liked to have a Christmas Eve party. But, because that's when they hear them the most. However, that doesn't keep them from haunting and, you know, getting jiggy with it any other time of the year because it said that not only have they heard these kings, these former kings, but they have definitely made appearances throughout the rest of the year. Now, 
so you got kings running around, you know, making merry on Christmas Eve. It's funny how they know which day it is every year because they change us, but hey, whatever. Either way, aside from the kings, there's a court gesture of the former king Sigamon's court. He will make an appearance on the battlements of this castle to warn the residents of any type of danger. So here you have kings, here you got a dragon scenario, and then you have this court gesture who's still on duty, even in the afterlife. Uh, but these guys are not alone. In addition to the kings, to the court gesture, and this dragon warning, the castle also is known to have a headless horseman roaming the grounds. So, his name is Krzykoskow Sinakov. <laughs> My Polish? They didn't, they didn't trickle down. My mother did not learn Polish. He was a 15th century highwayman. And Krzykoskow, it sounds, it's almost like Krzykoskow. We're just going Chris, all right? He would, as a highwayman, of course, use a horse to, to rob and get away quickly. And he would rob the travelers on the road that led to the north out of Krakow. And he, he, it was almost like if he was given away the money, he would be the Polish version of a Robin Hood. That didn't seem to be the case. But he was very well known in the area. And eventually he was caught by the Starsowska of Krakow. I don't know what the Starskosta is. My assumption is it is something similar to a sheriff, like the sheriff of Nottingham. And when he was caught, he was taken to the thieves' tower. I guess they had a big problem with thieves in the Krakow area back in the 1400s. And he would eventually be executed for his crimes of theft. And on top of everything else, so they take him to the foot of the Sanatoroska Tower in the castle, and he gets, you know, in 1484. And my assumption, because he's now roaming the grounds of this uh, castle, headless, was he was beheaded. And you too, because... Not only do people who live at the castle, who work at the castle, people who visit the tourist have all seen this headless Christophus riding around on his horse at night looking for his head. Okay, so stepping down a little bit from castles, let's talk palace. The Widopolashkish Palace. Again, sorry guys, uh, my Polish is no good is the current residence of the mayor Krakow. And this palace is also haunted. So this was a love affair that went south a long, long time ago. A genteel woman, a noble woman, fell in love with a man who was beneath her in rank. And her father found out, but he wanted to make sure, so he used a, a priest to gather intel on his daughter because you know you go to confession she confessed her love for this guy and once daddy had all the information that he needed he had her killed to this day people have seen and heard her hanging about 
this particular palace. Now, when I was doing this research, this was one of the interesting scenarios that kind of really resonated with me. There's a forest about 20 miles north of Krakow Center. It's called the Wichicoise Forest. And it is believed that a lot of paranormal activity tends to happen in this forest. But there was one incident that stands out from the rest. And this incident really kind of struck home because here in America, there's actually a really kind of a famous well, movie, a legend, if you will, that sounds like kind of similar happened in real life here in, in Krakow. So in 2001, a group of students went into this forest to celebrate the, they're like getting ready for school. They're excited. They wanted to do something unique. They were looking to do like a bonfire, have some booze, do some singing, dancing. And around 8.30, the group comes across a man who will later say he told them not to go into the forest because it was not safe. And, you know, kids being kids, they ignored the old man. And unfortunately, he is the last person to see all nine of these kids ever again. Now, I'm not sure if it's because they didn't believe that the nine kids were missing and or the the police were aware of the paranormal shit that happens in this forest. It the police decided to wait 4 days before doing any type of search and rescue for these nine kids and of course nobody has ever been reported to have been found. And again, this again reminds me of the Blair Witch Project. There's a legend of, in part of the investigation, a part of the search and rescue, a video camera was found. And it is said that a group of friends of those who, had, who disappeared decided to check out using the footage that, that was found on the camera. And they noticed or located where they believed the, the images on the camera was was located in the village of Marina. Now, this particular Marina village was actually burnt down in the 18th century, so we're talking the 1700s. And at that time, in the 1700s, the inhabitants of this village were actually dying from mysterious circumstances, and it is believed like a lot of satanic and magical rites were happening, and so... It's not sure who or what was being worshipped in this particular village. And so, once again, it's kind of like, you know, if you know the story of the Blair Witch, they're out looking for the Blair Witch, and the footage is the last the kids had with them. So kind of like the Polish version of the Blair Witch Project. But again, nobody ever found these nine kids ever again. Now, heading back to Krakow, they do actually have some very interesting places to check out. One of them is a museum called the Rhineck Underground. Now, this they opened for business in 2010, and it is basically a mixture of artifacts and antiquities recovered from archaeological sites, and 
<laughs> of course, to kind of jazz things up a little bit, they have smoke machines, holograms, and just modern day technology to kind of, like I said, jazz a few things up. Now, why am I mentioning this? Well, it is considered to be in an immersive environment, and I'm, and I'm quoting now, an immersive environment representing the daily life of medieval Krakow. And, you know, that's one of the really cool things. I mean, how did they get shit done? You know, they didn't have cars. How did they do it? So this is one of them. But what I want to focus on, actually, is that this particular uh, museum had a very interesting section where they depict burial practices from a thousand years ago that included how to bury a person they believed to be a vampire. So, you know, like everywhere else, vampires can only become creatures in the night after the host body dies. And if you were suspected, you know, they, they had these symbols or they had these clues or indicators. So, like, if you had red hair or if you had an extra row of teeth, which I, I don't even know who does that now, but, you know, they would be like, mm, Jim might be a vampire later on. So, you know, they would do everything they can to keep vampires from becoming alive after death. And so what they would do is, is that they would bury the suspected person, the suspected vampire, in a fetal position with their hands tied and their head cut off and placed below their feet. And that way, you know, they would have a hard time trying to find the rest of their body. But either way, they had, you know, this, this section where they talk about how they you know, would prevent vampires from coming to life. And, you know, it's very interesting because a lot of different cultures and a lot of different countries, and again, we're, we're not talking at a time of Twitter where information can be passed literally in seconds. I do find the fact that they had all these different countries had some sort of fear of vampires to the point where they would actually do this to, you know, desecrate dead bodies. And, I mean, I don't know. Maybe back then they they did really roam. And they're just hiding out, <laughs> doing a better job now. I don't know. Now, I, of course, would be remiss if I didn't mention, you know, one of the darker points in Poland's history, more recent, was the occupation of Poland from the fucking Nazis. So let's talk about the ground to the Krakow puzzle. It's like a park. And, I mean, it's a standard park. You got empty fields, you got trees, you got tall grasses, and you don't even realize that this, is, this was once a concentration camp until you see the signs that discuss the fact that this land was once basically a killing place so what happened well like i said the fucking nazis goddamn nazis rolled into poland it was poland was actually the first nation that they decided to take over and they did so very quickly 
So from October 28th, 1942 to January 20th, 1945, this particular park was home to a ghetto that basically evolved into the Krakow Plaza concentration camp. Here in this section, more than 40,000 people who consisted of Polish people, Jewish people, or Hungarian were in prison. And, of course, like every other concentration camp, the people who were in charge were allowed to do whatever they wanted. This concentration camp was, was, was operated by a commandant by the name of Commandant Amon Goth. And he literally just, he would wake up, he would kill somebody, have his breath fix, and then he would just, you know, go on commit other atrocities and it's the poly either way anybody who knows polish's history poland was actually liberate, liberated by the russians and even during the iron curtain years that's what we called it here in america the iron curtain poland was behind the iron curtain they did actually construct a memorials in reference to the the fact that it was, in fact, a concentration camp. The monument was constructed in 1964. It is called the Memorial to the Victims of Fascism in Krakow. Not that I'm sure that the communism was any different, but either way. And today, you can see them. There are, other, there are of course, other monuments, but this is the one. This is one of the few that were dedicated to this particular concentration camp. Now, I don't want to go into great detail, but obviously one of the biggest and well-known concentration camps is actually not too far from Krakow. And I'm, of course, referring to Auschwitz. I'm not sure if and when I will do an episode on Auschwitz, but time will tell. Either way, to end tonight's episode, let's talk about something a little bit lighthearted interesting because today it's a park and people go and they have picnics and the kids go and play which i i kind of have mixed emotions about because what do you do with land that people were killed on rounded up and killed on i don't know but today the polish you know it's a park i guess it's a better way to enjoy the land and maybe to help give it a little bit but to end tonight on a little bit of a pleasant note, let's talk about Jordan Park. If you go to Jordan Park, Krakow, there is a statue of a bear. Why do they have a bear in this park? The bear's name is Wilczek, and here's his story. When World War II broke out, Stalin decided to release some of the prisoners from his gulags. The gulags being like a prisoner concentration camp, like the hard labor shit concentration camps from Siberia. He's like, we're going to need all hands on deck. We're going to need some prisoners. We're going to kick some Nazis' ass, and everyone's going to help. So he releases this Polish group of men who would later become the 22nd Artillery Supply Company in the 2nd Polish Corps, and they would actually be commanded by a Wolaska Anders, probably misspelling that. And as they made their way from Siberia down to Alexander, they 
were traversing through the Iranian mountains. And as such, and I don't know who, what, how, but they came across this baby bear whose mom was dead. I don't know if they killed the mama bear thinking she'd be good meat and not realizing she had a baby. Either way, they ended up taking the baby with them. And they would feed the baby like condensed milk from a vodka bottle. So you got a little bit of the vodka in it. And they literally treated this baby cub like a baby. They played with it. They fed him. They gave him fruits and sweet syrups, marmalade and honey. And he would eat with them. He would sleep with them in their tents. And even though when he got you know, older and bigger, he was given his own space. He was like, nah, I'm one of, I want, these are my guys. I'm one of these guys. And he would actually go out and um, snuggle with his, his company. And there's even kind of this interesting scenario where they even taught him how to smoke cigarettes and cigars and drink beer, which, again, you know, it's, it's a, it was a time of war, guys. It was a time of war. But he would, like, puff on the cigarette, and then he would swallow it. So and that would actually cause some problems for him later. But for now, they kept him. And when they finally met up with the British allies, the British were like, we need to do something with him because we don't allow pets and or mascots. And so what the Poles did, they were like, well, we're just going to enroll him in our army. And he's, he's part of the 22nd now. So... And there's even, I kind of read this kind of funny story of how when they were being called into like roll call by a British commander, he was saying the bear's name and he's like, why isn't this soldier responding? And finally, one of the Polish men said, you know, he only speaks Polish and Parisian. So uh, you're speaking the wrong language. He's not going to respond. But either way, he, Wolczyk has a very shiny moment in the course of the war. During the battle of Monte Monte Cassino in Italy in 1944, as they were trying to reinforce the Allies with much-needed ammunition and supplies, Warchek literally climbed this mountain up this battlefield, across this battlefield, to, and carry the ammunition and supplies that they were trying to get to reinforce the, uh, their ally counterpoints with. And it was he and he alone who literally was carrying the supplies up and down this hill. And that is the moment for the Polish to decide to make this image of him carrying these weapons their battlement, like their patch um, symbol. So if ever you see a patch where a bear is holding this missile, it is in direct reference to this battle in 1944 where Wojciech helped reinforce the allies with much needed supplies and ammunition and when the war was over they didn't want to send him back to communist poland he ended up going to a zoo in edinburgh scotland where he lived another 16 years and died in 1963 so just a very interesting story of a war hero of a very unlikely war hero who seemed, by all the things that I read, to be more human than bear and was brave enough to fight during World War II. So if you see him, like I said, there is a memorial statue of Wojciech that was erected in 2014. You know, leave a little bit of honey for him. 
All right. That's all I have for you tonight on the business. Facebook, Facebook, Facebook. We have a Facebook page. If you are curious and or interested and would like to join, send us a request and, you know, see what we put out. As some, as the Facebook people know, I haven't put out a whole lot. There was a day, a week that was missed. There was, um, I had a very bad accident and unfortunately, I really do need to work on getting some additional episodes recorded so that that doesn't happen in the future. But either way, we're here now. And hopefully, we're going to stay okay for forever now. Anyway, point is, if you have a topic or a serial killer or a scenario you want us to look into and do an episode on, please reach out. You can find us at where the dark corners are at gmail.com. But until next time. Please remember, only the few can find the beauty in the darkness, which is where we hope to meet you where the dark corners are. Mm-hmm.